If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. He just couldn't let go of hope for something better. First, it was defeating the Dark Ones, hope for a safer future within the Metro. Then, hope for peace after defeating the red threat of weaponizing a virus. Now, Ardium clings to a hope for the outside world. Are there... Could there be others out there? Ardium married Anna, returned home to exhibition to settle down for a while. It should have been an easy time for him, but it wasn't. He couldn't let go of that sneaking feeling, that hope, that there was more to the world than the Metro. And it took Ardium to the surface time and time again, drawing the ire of his wife. The surface is still infested with dangerous mutated animals, the air's poisonous, the weather has turned freezing. He goes topside with a radio, trying to find broadcasts from other survivors. He dreams of them, he's compelled to search for them. There have to be others, right? Somewhere out there? They, they have to be searching for others too. Humans weren't meant to live underground. Seven billion were killed in the Great War. 50,000 originally made it into the metro of Moscow, but as fear, corruption, and hatred for one another festered, that dwindled the population down. Rather than accept this as the fate of humanity, Ardium chose hope. And of course, something eventually went wrong. Ardium made a mistake. He had to get pulled out of a dangerous situation, no harm, no foul, save the radiation sickness and draining of medical resources to heal him. It really wasn't fair to put other people in that position. Save him in the tunnels, save him with treatment, keep an eye on him, make Anna worry. I don't imagine that when, when Miller himself, the leader of the Sparta Order and Anna's father, traveled to exhibition to handle Artyom's antics, that it really should have been a surprise. Artyom is his son-in-law now, and well, he's acting strange. Of course the world is destroyed, there are no other survivors. Stop focusing on such childish notions. Miller offered Anna and Ardium positions with the Order, back in Polis. Ardium could put his energy and desire to do good to some use, and Anna was clearly not happy in exhibition. But they remain in exhibition, and on his next journey to the surface, Anna accompanies him to listen for broadcasts. But, of course, there's nothing there, and they're traveling through a restricted Hansa-controlled zone. Anna ponders why this particular area is restricted. The wildlife is active, yes, but it's no more irradiated than any other zone. It's structurally sound, and there's a train. There's a train. There is a train traveling through this zone. What the hell? A Hansa patrol rolls up to Artyom and Anna, and with no hesitation, they jump inside. Artyom, of course, immediately gets one punch manned into a small nap. And this is unusual, no? To pick up Metro personnel on the surface and without question assault them. What's even more odd are the two people in the back of this patrol's vehicle, a teenage male and an older woman, looking for a man who traveled to Moscow nearly a year prior. They claim to be from a village 200 kilometers away, that they were detained by this Hansa patrol, and when questioned about life outside of Moscow, the older woman seems a bit baffled. Well, of course there's other life in the world. Why would Moscow be the only place left? Sure, there's lots of places that aren't pleasant, but there are other people out there. 
This is counter to everything the leadership within the Metro has been propagating. Those within the Metro believed the world to be a dead, barren place. And this older woman just defied all of that with a few matter-of-fact sentences. So, the Hansa Patrol pulls the vehicle over, remove the teenage male and the woman, and line them up for execution. And when Artyom rises to stop them, he takes a bullet as well. Artyom is left alone on the surface, landing atop a pile of bodies. People from the outside world that have been captured before entering the metro. Seems Hansa has been keeping secrets. The body pile isn't far from a Hansa base, where they too utilize at least one choo-choo themselves. With the aid of an old man named Yurmak, Artyom finds Anna and, oh lord, is there some wild game at play within Russia? The commander of the space reveals that the war never ended. The Great War. Within the control center is a map covered in communication transmission points from all around the world. The control center uses a universal broadband radio jammer to prevent anyone within Metro from receiving outside transmissions, as well as prevents anyone from within from sending out transmissions. These radio jammers turned Moscow into a dark zone in the eyes of the world. Moscow is playing dead, so to speak. The remnants of the government of Moscow, referred to as the Invisible Watchers, are legendary, and we've heard tell of the Invisible Watchers and the mystical Metro 2 before, from a Nazi guard during Metro Last Light. So all the factions within the Metro, the Red Line, the Fourth Reich, Hansa, and the Sparta Order, have all been working to keep information in and out of Moscow suppressed to maintain this act of playing dead to the rest of the world. And when the Order shows up to assist Hansa in the chaos Anna and Artyom have created within the secret base, it gets a little awkward when Miller, you know, Anna's father, Artyom's father-in-law, the leader of the Order, discovers just who is causing the disruption. But it doesn't take Miller long to decide his loyalties lie with his daughter. This newly formed group of rebels make off with the Hansa Chuchu and book it out of Moscow. They cannot stay they'll be put to death for defying the order of the Invisible Watchers. So, now is time for Miller to explain just what the hell is going on here. Miller justifies the actions of the faction leaders by saying he was only briefed about the operation after the D6 attack from half a year prior, and he is convinced that the majority of Russia is under enemy occupation, that the playing dead order was also for their own good, the S.H.I.E.L.D. system was meant to save Moscow from more enemy bombings, and for over 20 years it had been successful. About 60 miles away from Moscow, they find that their Geiger counters register zero to tiny traces of radiation. So, the world is not poisoned, and they have to find a path forward that they can follow. Miller tells them about the Invisible Watchers and a place called The Ark, though he doesn't know where it is. Now that they're out of range of the S.H.I.E.L.D. system, the radio jammers, they're able to pick up ARC rallying point transmissions, directing them to a place far away called Yamanto Mountain. The ARC project is an underground city built before the war and stocked with supplies to last hundreds of people for years. 
It was where the government would go in case of war or an attack. Aboard the choo-choo they've dubbed the Aurora, they reach the Volga River, where things have become exceedingly odd since the bombs dropped. A roadblock was set across the tracks by a group of fanatics, a cult, that believes that electricity and technology is a sin. Which in itself wouldn't be that unusual, except they violently believe it to be true, will deem naysayers to be heretics and will attack those heretics, or imprison them. Artyom rolling up with his guns, flashlights, gas mask, doesn't really make him a quick friend of this cult. Though Artyom does not have to engage in violence as well, at least not in all situations, though it may be tempting. It's at the Volga River that Miller really harps on about his belief that enemies are occupying the country. He himself almost sounds like a fanatic in that regard. While scouting about, Anna comes across a sealed bunker with a tattered American flag flying on a hill atop it. Trying to find a way in, she falls through a hole near the tree, straight into the corridors of an overflowing chemical dump. And the lady doesn't have her gas mask on. It takes some time for the crew of the Aurora to notice her absence and for Artyom to track her down, and when he does locate her, she's struggling to breathe and talking about dreams or hallucinations, though she insists that she's fine. She insists it's just a minor cough. She's fine. Eventually, the Aurora makes it through the roadblock and away from the Volga River, suffering whatever consequences they may before departure. The land around the Ark, around Yamanto Mountain, is real bad. There's high radiation here. The Ark was built to be a massive city bunker, a secret bunker city, but it would appear that it was, in fact, not secret, and it was pummeled during the Great War. But the Ark did its job. It withstood the bombardment and kept those within safe from the outside world. Miller had even managed to reach someone from the Ark as they traveled aboard the Aurora, and it was an interesting conversation. Miller is still deeply entrenched in his paranoia of enemy occupation and desperate to serve a higher command. The reception he got from the other end seemed quite eager for the Aurora's arrival and fed into Miller's obvious enthusiasm to engage with them. At the gates of the Ark, there's wreckage and rubble littering the tracks. Inside the outer shell of the Ark, it looks rusted, broken down, and in ill repair. Not what you would expect from a government city bunker. So what does your intuition tell you? What do you suppose is happening here? Is it going to be happy? Have we found our happy ending? Perhaps nothing is here? Another sad metro-like place? Cannibals? Maybe a mountain of cannibals? You see, the Great War began before the Ark was actually completed. Don't misunderstand, though. It was intended to be an underground city bunker, yes. It was meant to be supplied with enough food, water, and medicine to last a few thousand people decades, yes. But we don't always get what we want, do we? While outer construction was complete, the Ark wasn't done, and it certainly wasn't stocked with supplies. The government never arrived. The builders and workers who were inside the Ark 
going about their jobs when the bombings began, were stuck there, with little provisions to provide for several hundred men. They lured survivors to the mountain and fed off of each other for over 20 years. By the time the Aurora got there, the men were widely feral and off their rockers. A semi-sane member of this new faction, a doctor, has been a driving force behind this survival tactic. He takes Anna to test for disease. She has a nasty cough at this point to see if she's worth taking as food stock. Of course, as is custom, all hell breaks loose once the crew breaks loose. The arc is quite similar to D6, in fact, making it easy to navigate for our boys. They retrieve Anna, who exacts some sweet revenge upon the good doctor, and scorch Earth as they go through the mountain to reach the Aurora and get the hell out of this place. It was a doomed hope, a lost cause, and it almost cost them everything. Where are they supposed to go now? This was their hope. This was supposed to be the answer to everything. What are they supposed to do now? They consider going back to the Volga to just fight it out with the locals. At least it's kind of safe there. They definitely can't go back to Moscow. They'd be shot on sight. The Aurora is in bad shape and they can't keep traveling forever. They've already been going for weeks and weeks since the Moscow incident. In fact, summertime is approaching. One of the crew, a rather intelligent man who nicknamed himself Idiot, discovers a satellite data collection site in an old map. If they can get that data, well, it might show them satellite images that could guide them around radioactive areas. They could spot a clean zone, and settle someplace new, away from the metro, Moscow, insane villagers, cannibal psychos, away from the dangers of radiation and mutated animals. They could just, they could just get away from the world. So they travel south to the coast of the Caspian Sea, presumably someplace in the country of Kazakhstan. Here, they must contend with heat, sandstorms, burning oil fields, little remaining water, and the Aurora is nearly out of fuel. Though they did reach their goal, they stopped near the old satellite data facility, but there's not a lot to stay happy over. There's also a complicated situation taking place between feuding factions here, a lot of infighting between a slaver oil baron and a rebellious leader named Saul who just seems power-hungry and is using a woman named Gyul who is an awesome sniper assassin chick, and you know, it's complicated. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, you just, you just need to give everyone a fresh start, right? Let the locals try again, you know what I'm saying? Just, just let, let people learn from the past and start new. You dig it? Anyways, the Aurora crew is eventually able to get their fuel and water, and they are able to get those satellite images. They hightail it out of that cursed desert and set sail into a new horizon. Autumn approaches now, and a place has been decided for settlement, a lush valley beside a lake. It's hidden in a forest. It has a hydroelectric power plant from before the war, and it's isolated. In short, it's perfect. Amidst the merriment and celebration, Anna can no longer hide the progression of her illness. Her lungs are being torn apart like cheap wrapping paper. That chemical dump she fell into back at the Volga River, well, 
it's been worse than she let on. Katya, a nurse and crew member of the Aurora, reasons with Miller in private that the clean air may do her some good. It may fix her lungs. Maybe they can find antibiotics, something that would clear up her cough. Miller, of course, jumps upon this logic, reasoning that it has to be the answer because hope is one hell of a drug. They reach their potential new home, that valley beside a lake. Artyom and a fellow ranger named Alyosha travel ahead to scout out the land, just in case. Here, in this place called Taiga, they find people, though they're not like any people we've encountered before. They lived in this valley when they were children. They were here during a summer camp of some sort, and when the bombing began, they were stranded and left in the care of their camp leader, who they refer to as their teacher. Teacher taught them the skills they would need to survive while also trying to instill civility in the children as they grew, though there were so many of them and only one of him. This wasn't something that could be feasibly done. Bandits brought violence into the valley as the children grew into adults. Their teacher had taught them to be passive, to not engage in violent affairs. But as the attacks grew, a group of the now adults spread away and attacked the bandit camp, slaughtering all within. They became the pirate faction, and the non-aggressive group became the pioneers. Not the weirdest thing that we've seen in the apocalypse, by far. So there's some drama in trying to get through this valley and back to the Aurora. The pirates and pioneers decide that Artyom isn't welcome in the valley, and attacking these people comes with consequences. Artyom chooses between returning the violence upon them or avoiding them altogether. Or perhaps Artyom can just… he can just boop their snoots. Alyosha is waiting for Artyom near the dam, informing him that this dam will not hold. But worse than that, it is absolutely aglow from radioactive sediment resting at the bottom of the lake. And when the dam goes, the entire valley will be a wasteland of poison. They cannot stay here. The maps omitted what laid within the lake. The pioneers and pirates that stay in the valley are doomed. They need to move on. All right. So be it. Anna is getting worse by the day now. Katia, the nurse, has mentioned that in the city of Novosibirsk is a potential treatment for Anna's condition. At a military research facility, drugs to combat chemical poisonings were being developed in preparation for future wars. However, Novosibirsk is lethally radioactive, worse even than Moscow. During the Great War, it was absolutely bombarded. So, how the hell are they supposed to get in there and find some 20-year-old medication just in the off chance that it could help Anna in any way? Well, to Miller and Artyom, there is no alternative. They alone will enter the dead city. They will go to the Research Institute of Extreme Medicine. Consequences be damned. It's Artyom's fault all this began in the first place, and it's Miller's obsession with enemy occupation that drove Anna to investigate that chemical dump bunker. They must fix this. They find that this city has a story to tell, beyond the events of the Great War. There is a metro system similar to that of Moscow here. It's littered with the decay of life long gone. Something tragic took place here, something violent. But what? After the bombs dropped, 
The people who survived underground lived through the radiation with a drug called Radio Protector. It slows the absorption of radiation in the body, making the tunnels survivable and making the surface traversable with protection for a short duration. However, the medicine does not last long. It requires repeated doses to protect the body. This made it a currency of sorts in the dead city. After nearly two decades, it became harder and harder to find. The military committee that ruled this metro, called OSCOM, began to confiscate whatever could be found of the drug, leading to civil unrest underground. The OSCOM prepared for evacuations by clearing and repairing the tracks on the surface, using labor from the civilians. Those who rebelled underground against the practices of the OSCOM were removed from the metro and disposed of. Paranoia and hatred towards the OSCOM grew. Civilian leaders rose who openly defied the orders and explanations of the OSCOM. They knew that OSCOM was going to use them as fodder on the surface to clear the tracks, then take everything and abandon the survivors of Novosibirsk to die. When OSCOM began to prepare evacuations for their own leadership, an all-out riot began. The OSCOM turned their weapons on the civilians, committing mass murder on their own populace. Then, they flooded the tunnels with chlorine gas. The only living person who remains is a kid named Kirill. He and his father survived the civil war that took place a year prior to Artyom and Miller's arrival. But his father, a former lieutenant colonel with OSCOM, vanished some days ago during a trip to a satellite data center to search for clean areas to reside in within Russia. Miller and Kirill depart to the SATCOM center to search for Kirill's father and the map he believed was there. Artyom continues to the research institute alone to find the chemical poisoning cure for Anna. The radiation on the surface is absolutely brutal, even with a dose of radioprotector. The animal mutations here are a step above anything at Moscow. Artyom experiences psychic events here akin to what happened while influenced by the Dark Ones so long ago, and anomalies that are fetid with radiation leak. What should have been simple, just getting into the research institute and finding a case of serum for Anna, became an extreme fight against enraged animal mutants and consistent radiation poisoning. But he gets there. He finds that serum, called Renergen F, he barely makes it out of the building, assisted in this by an absolutely livid ape beast, and he's found by Miller, who succeeded in his mission with young Kirill to get the satellite maps from the SATCOM center. Artyom is choking out from radiation poisoning, though. It was just too much exposure, and he already used his single dose of radio protector. So, Miller gives him his own dose. Almost like the old man knew that Artyom would need it later, so he never took it. Yeah, Miller knew exactly what he was doing. Better foresight than us, that's for sure. He gets Artyom into their vehicle and just drives as fast as he can away from the city to get them as far away as possible back towards the Aurora before he dies. He knows he's been too exposed so he does all he can to get Artyom back to Anna. And when Miller loses consciousness at the wheel of the van, young Kirill steps in to get Artyom's keister in gear to operate the vehicle and continue away from the city. Though, Artyom can only last so long before he too 
loses consciousness. When he awakens the next morning, Miller has passed. He chose Artyom's life over his own, and the aurora slowly rolls up a nearby track. Miller had gotten them so close to it, all on his own, before he could no longer carry on. The aurora was right there, and they found each other so easily. Miller's body was so irradiated, they had to handle him carefully. Artyom, even with two doses of the radio protector, is in a bad way, requiring blood transfusions just to live. But he pulls through. It takes a long time, though. But he does it. And with the SATCOM maps Miller got from the dead city, they find some place. A new place, far to the east, near a lake called Baikal. And it was clean. So clean. It was untouched by war. It was perfect. Artyom becomes the commander of this small order from the Moscow metro. Remembering the people they left behind... The people of the metro, the Volga River, the desert of the Caspian Sea, the Tega Valley pirates and pioneers. Artyom decides that his journey does not end here. There are lives out there to be saved, and here they can start again, in this land of plenty. A new mission must begin, to save those who were left behind. <laughs>